All right, welcome back everyone to the uh, seventh episode of the United Bow Hunters of Missouri. This is Ethan Grother, and on today's episode, I'm going to talk to our new co-host, the one and only Ryan Plummer. We're going to get a little history on him, his interactions with the club, his position in the club, his history with bow hunting, and all that stuff. How are you doing today, Ryan? Doing well, Ethan. Thanks. Uh, thanks for yeah. doing this. I suppose uh, we. I know we did the our last podcast with Darren, but. Um, yeah, we'll just chat a little bit and I can tell you a little bit about myself. Yeah. Well, I was thinking there's a couple things. I could I could probably ask you a lot of questions when I was thinking about things I'd like to ask you. But uh, <laughs> I guess, first of all, just like we've asked everyone so far, is what was your first bow? Like, uh, or what got you into archery in general? Bow hunting, whatever. Yes. You know, I, I, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was born into a, a hunting family, if you will. But when I was, I don't know eight years old, uh, eight or nine years old. Um, my mom married my stepdad and he was a hunter. He wasn't really a bow hunter though. We, my first foray in the woods was squirrel hunting and we did a lot of, uh, coon hunting with, with hounds. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I got into hunting. And then my older brother, um, one year for Christmas, I would have been in seventh or eighth grade bought me my first bow and it was a compound bow and I, I did it re i had it still until recently i threw it in the trash i didn't trust the cables on it anymore i <laughs> made it a, a bow fishing uh bow um and used it for a lot of years and i cannot remember i think it was an old maybe an old bear compound bow i can't remember exactly yeah. what it was but I remember I got, he got me that for Christmas and I, I couldn't pull it back. Um, I spent months just trying to, to draw it and get, get it to break over so I could actually start learning how to shoot it. So that was my first, my first bow. Um, never killed any big game with that. Killed a lot of small game and a lot of fish with it, but never any big game with it. Yeah. Nice. Do you, yeah. uh, do you remember what's your, uh, what was your first archery or I guess I should say Probably your first big game harvest, kill, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, was probably a white-tailed deer, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was a doe. Um, it was setting in, um, I was a little older. Um, I didn't I didn't do a lot of big game hunting when I was younger after I got that bow. For I did. I would go with my brother, but mostly just was a tag along. And, um, I ended up actually buying a, a Matthews. I was a Matthews guy when I was still shooting. Oh pounds. man, it's good and, we didn't meet when we were shooting. Well, <laughs> I still shoot them, but yeah, yeah. And uh, so I had a I had a new Matthews switch back, and um, I was setting. Uh, I grew up some of, some of the folks that I talked to in the EVM know I when I was a kid I lived on a thousand acre cattle farm. Now, unfortunately, I didn't hunt it nearly as much as I should have because I had three oh, man. It was, it was ideal, but we had, uh, some stands kind of set up on the property and, and I was setting in a stand that was kind of, we called it a uh, children's holler because my friends got children's lived down the, down the hill across the mm. road. So that was just kind of our nickname. And, um, it was uh, out overlooking a, a hay field really, and, um, had a doe come in and, uh, I probably shot her at. 15 yards with that compound bow and that deer was interesting i shot her um i had a complete pass through and she kind of 
hunched like she knew something happened and she looked around and started eating again and took two steps and fell over bed. She never ran. She never did anything. Man. So um, I knew then that, you know, hunting with a, a bow was, was pretty ethical if she didn't even realize something significant had happened. Really? That's yeah. There's just something about that, isn't it? Just, mm -hmm. Was that uh? So were you part of the craze back then for light arrows and? I didn't pay a lot of attention to it back then. Um, arrows and stuff in general. My, I, my brother was of the mindset of, it's a bow. You just put an arrow on it and shoot it. <laughs> you know. Um, and so that year before the. Probably leading up to that season, I started really paying a little bit more attention. I was watching a lot of Outdoor Channel, um, you know, like Fred Eichler and some of those, yep. some of those guys. This is probably back in the, the 90s, I guess. But um, so I went to a bow shop um, and had them help me kind of tune the bow a little bit. And and uh, I just took whatever arrows they gave me. I don't even, couldn't tell you what they were. <laughs> um and uh, I don't think they're a real light. I know I was shooting a hundred grain broadhead um, at the time, so uh, that's that was kind of what I used um, for the next several years. Awesome, awesome. So uh, when did stick bows come into your life? How did that? So my brother kind of started that too a little bit. Um, he had given me at some point. He gave me a Martin longbow. Um, and I didn't do anything with it. He gave it to me. I put it in the closet. I was still shooting Matthews. Um, and uh, I'd get it out every once in a while, shoot a couple. He gave me a couple wooden arrows somebody had with it or whatever. I'd shoot them every once in a while, but never never did a whole lot. Um, but I mentioned I was watching a lot of Fred Eichler, and I was yep. starting to get really interested in and um, shooting a longbow or any kind of traditional equipment. Um, fast forward a few years, I, I kind of, you know, life happens. I got married, was in college, had kids and, and everything, and wasn't really doing a lot of hunting at all. And I had kind of started to do it a little bit more, um, trying to get out more and hunt a little bit. Um, then same brother who got me into hunting, uh, his son got diagnosed with brain cancer oh. and, um, Throughout the course of that, I, we, he, he survived for two years after his diagnosis. And through the course of that, I kind of decided that life's pretty short. You never know. And wanted to really re-engage with some of the things I enjoyed from when I was younger. And, and so, um, I don't know, at the, for whatever reason, at that point, I decided I was going to go head on into tr the traditional archery world. I sold the Matthews. I didn't even, I didn't even, <laughs> keep it is try to start shooting the longbows. I completely sold it. And I started doing a lot of reading and, and stuff and talking to guys. Um, I actually went to the knocking point in Oklahoma and had him oh, yeah. some arrows for my, my Martin longbow. And I started shooting that, um, pretty heavily. Um, all actually through the, uh, the guy, I can't remember his name at the knocking point. Oh yeah. Where I learned about Mike Dunaway with Wild Horse Creek bows. Okay. I went to Mike in Kansas and shot some of his bows, ordered one, and that's how I learned about the UBM. So it kind of came full circle a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that was my next question. Yeah. Yeah. 
know, uh, my, my first longbow kill, um, was that would have been that season that I started doing that with the Martin. Um, I was, I'm, I'm not a trophy hunter by any means. I like to put meat in the freezer. And so <laughs> everybody, my brother used to always give me a hard time because I would never wait for big buck to walk by. I would just shoot whatever legal animal step in front of me at a decent range. And yeah, but my, my first, uh, I always tell everybody my first, longbow kill was was an, an 11 point buck but, oh man but it wasn't a big 11 point buck <laughs> it was a little basket rack um deer that I actually i, I actually thought it was a uh fork horn to be honest with you until i got it okay it. yeah yeah one of those but, uh, but it was a it was an 11 point uh well 11 11 point buck so yeah that was uh Gosh, I don't know. It wasn't really that long ago. That was a little bit later in my my hunting journey, but yeah. Now was that the was that like the Martin stick or was like that the Martin Savannah? Um I believe it was the Savannah. Okay, okay. You didn't start out too rough then. I I you know, I'm not knocking anybody's bow preference, but the Martin stick, those were pretty popular for a while, and those were mm. literally a glued up flat land. <laughs> No lamination bow with a just a slight grip to them, and and uh, I thought, man, if you killed your first deer with that, then <laughs> or your no, first deer, no. it was. I'm pretty sure it was a savannah. It wasn't the stick. It was it was a little more fancy than that. Yeah, um, it was probably the savannah. Those are nice bows, actually. Yeah, I didn't. You know, I enjoyed shooting that bow when I could shoot it well, but I I never cared for the grip. Um, yeah, on the bow, I didn't feel like it fit well in my hand. And that, and that was really the biggest reason why I decided to go with, uh, I have mics, one of mics, actually I have two of mics, not always bows now, but. Uh, uh -huh. uh, yeah, you were eyeballing them again at the festival. I was worried. Yeah, about I'm you. thinking maybe I need to put a deposit for a third one. Just, you know, the guy can't have too many bows, I guess. No, you can't. I, I don't have any room to talk. I'll tell you a quick funny story. My wife, I don't know if I yeah. told you this when I saw you at the festival, but I, uh, I told my wife starting out for the year, planning ahead for the future and hunting trips and all that stuff. I said, I'm not spending any more money this year. I'm on lockdown. I'm not going to do a single thing. I'm going to try, try to just save and focus on our future, all this stuff. And it, it wasn't, it was literally that night I was on uh, scrolling through the Facebook story, uh, line on our newsfeed on my, on my Facebook and on trad classifieds, I found a black tail recurve for 400 bucks. And I thought nice. it was too good to be true. I, I, so the very next day I had to call and ask forgiveness as I was driving up to Kansas city. To <laughs> black tail recurve bow. So uh, yeah. I, I'll never judge anybody for picking up bows. Cause you just, I was looking at them. I, I ran across some old bear bows the other day. At, I forgot. Uh, I went into a shop somewhere. I can't remember where I was at. And uh, they had a couple um, Kodiaks, uh, and I thought about picking one of those up, but I ended up not. But I may at some point just to, just to have one. Yeah, I uh, I've kind of got the the urge to try out the uh, you know now that Bear's kind of having a revival going on right now. <laughs> just trying one of those would be kind of cool, I think. Yeah, yeah, they've been around certainly a long time so mm -hmm. yeah um 
There was something I wanted to bring up I found interesting is recently it was Fred Bear's birthday and everyone was just really excited about that. And that's great. Um, but I was thinking about generationally, generationally, if I can talk today, you and I fall in that line of honestly, our, our Fred's got changed in yeah. our culture. Cause I, who inspired me essentially was Fred Eichler and yeah. uh, who's also now shooting a Fred bear bow. So that's cool. Right, but uh, right. I remember looking and watching, I was 15 years old and I got these uh, traditional whatever videos he was making on the side. And I just remember watching him shoot a Buffalo with a recurve bow. And mm-hmm. I thought that has to be the most awesome feeling on planet earth. And uh, the same for you, you saw him and everyone I talked to that's in our age range, they always go, I saw Fred Eichler doing something. Yeah, I just think that's think really cool. Was, yeah. You know, I think a lot of, with him anyways, was just his, at least his appearance of the passion that he had and the excitement, you know, so I remember watching him and he, it, it, what I guess resonated with me is he didn't really care. Uh, at least what he put out on videos, he didn't care what it was. It was a trophy to him, even if yep. it was a doe or a, something small. I remember, I don't remember what he was hunting and uh, with a guide somewhere in, the guy kept telling him, don't shoot, don't shoot. There's something. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it was a caribou hunt. (laughs) I think it was a caribou hunt, yeah. And he shot it anyway, and the guy was mad at him. But he's like, hey, it's a trophy to me. And that's kind of how I hunt, you know. It's just, especially with a stick and a string, you know, anything is a trophy. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of guys, a lot of guys in the UVM that shoot really nice, big yes elk and deer and everything every year and and i'm not one of those guys uh, i would like <laughs> to be you know if something crosses my path i just uh i don't know if it's i don't have the patience or i or um i just like to i just want to make sure i'm putting meat in the freezer i guess at the end of the day but yeah i think the the fred eichler thing that hooked me was his um brown bear one of his, one of his brown bear oh yeah 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 that's that was the, yeah yeah, he came to the festival. Was it two years ago now? Might have been three. I missed was... that one. That that was, I think it was four years. It was pre-COVID because it was the year before I started coming. I missed it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he came and he he showed the video and told the story. And everybody yeah. knows that video, but it's just awesome to hear him. Mm-hmm. Like, I could probably listen to him tell that story over and over again. But Yeah, uh, yeah you're right, I think. I think it's probably a generational thing. Now, of course, I was aware. Um, I was getting, back then I had... Uh, had a traditional bow hunter magazine subscription, and so yep. I was getting those, and so I was familiar with Fred Beard and, and um, all those old, you know, original kind of old time guys. But yep. um, but I never watched a lot of the old videos and stuff. You just I didn't have easy access to them then before the internet and whatnot. So it was you yep. know Chuck Adams and and uh, Fred Eichler and those guys. I was I was watching. Yep. I, uh, yeah, I, I, same here. I got a traditional bow hunter magazine, uh, saw it at Walmart on the newsstand when I was 15 years old. And it was just, there was just something cool about it. And again, I was, I looked at it and I, I just geeked out. I, uh, went on a bear hunt with, uh, Mikey Yancey in 2014 and he goes, yeah, another guy's going to come, uh, Daryl, Daryl and I was, I was just such a trad geek from all this reading. I was like, Daryl Cador. I was like nervous to hang out in camp with him. I was already, I knew who Mike Yancey was too. You know, this was the yeah. first time I would meet him in person. And uh, I was just like, 
you know, and I'm just asking those poor guys like all kinds of questions about different people and Denny Sturgis Jr. and all that stuff and Don yeah. Thomas, all those guys. I mean, it's just it's really cool that we've we've been very fortunate to grow up in the generation that has information like accessible to us like no other generation before us to be able to really yeah. read this stuff. So, which is the heart behind this podcast. And I think you have the, you and I have talked about this before it ever launched is um, within our club, within the United Bowhunters of Missouri, we have guys that have done really awesome, incredible things and you would never know their stories. In fact, yeah. uh, there's going to be several, we're going to have to dig it out of them, you know, just, yeah. you know, just beg them to get on here and talk to us. Um, but I think their stories worth telling and hearing about. And it's such an incredible history. So. You know, I think there's a, such a um, valuable amount of knowledge and information within the the group of the UVM um, for people to learn from and hear the, the stories from. So I agree. I think it's a good opportunity for some of those guys to tell their stories. And like so we may have to pull it out of some of them because yeah. some may be less, uh, less inclined to, to share. Um, freely i guess it's probably not the right way to put it but you know some guys are better at are more willing to freely offer their stories other guys like to talk about it but you kind of have to prompt them a little bit yeah 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 i i don't think he'll mind me telling but our very first episode was mr larry hudson we were right there at the festival and i said hey i want you to do this podcast with me and man, I could tell he was just like, I don't know about this. And uh, <laughs> so we got set up and I'm putting a microphone in his face and we're, uh, and you know, it just took a couple minutes and he just, he was Larry, he's got awesome stories yeah. and he's a great storyteller. And, and, uh, when it was over, he said, well, really, we are just talking to each other. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's just, uh, it's cool. But there's still a few of those guys. I'll maybe if they're listening, I'm going to be trying to hit up like Larry Hesterly and Dan Novotny and all those guys. Um, we're coming for you me and ryan we're coming for you. <laughs> yeah that'll be good so i guess real quick along the lines of the podcast um this is what we're recording now is seven right episode yes seven. we're on episodes no yes yes uh, do you have Maybe eight. <laughs> any, um insights have you got any insights are we getting a lot of uh listeners yet i know it's just brand new but are we, are we getting guys listening? Do you have uh, any insights on that? Well, our analytics are not, uh, they're not crazy. It says we have an average viewership right now of about 20 people. So shout out to our, our crowd. Yeah. Um, we really do need to get out there and promote this more. Uh, but I do, I know uh, one young guy, I'll give a shout out to Tyler Dotson. He listens to this podcast. Um, he's never shot a traditional bow, but he, uh, he just, he called me and he said, that is just cool. He saw that I'd posted the link on Facebook and he's listened to every episode Awesome. and has just said, man, there's, it's cool to hear these guys tell their stories. And, uh, like I said, I, I think, uh, I think we've got to do a little more groundwork as far as getting this out there, but, uh, um, it's built. I mean, I've watched the analytics show that it's climbing week by week. So awesome. Well, and that's just, I mean, why you just said young guy listening to it, never shot a bow. I mean, that's, Really, I think part of the reason why uh, why you wanted to start these is to start to get out to a different audience or a younger audience even, um, because in a lot of ways, our membership are growing older. Um, yeah. And I both have white in our beards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, we got to gotta get those young guys in. We got to keep it going because it's a great, it's a great thing and a great organization. 
Yeah. And I honestly, I, you know, I, I said it, I think at an earlier podcast, but if a younger guy that was willing to learn a uh, young man or a young woman uh, mm-hmm. wanted to come into our uh, festival, our rendezvous, I promise you there are going to be people there that would just be tickled to show you how to shoot a bow, oh, yeah. um, get you set up in the networking. When I joined the club, I think it was 2015. I came to my first festival and I just was amazed by just people just kind of inviting you in, so to speak with, with, building some friendships. And then I got some opportunities to go on some hunts and do things that I never thought I'd be able to figure out on my own. So, um, well, it's the same thing with me and, and, um, and maybe that's a, a story worth sharing real quick. So yeah, by all means, know, this I, is actually your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're just having a conversation, right? So, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I learned about the UVM, from Mike Dunaway, it was kind of interesting because I lived in Missouri, got archery equipment in Oklahoma. I learned about Mike in Kansas, who told me about the UBM back in Missouri. So, but uh, you know, I came. The first event that I came to was, I guess, what it had to been. Let's see, 2018. Uh, I went to the rendezvous in 2018. Okay, I think it was my first event. At Donna um, Rail's place, yeah, at Donna yep. Rail's place, um, and that's you know that was my first experience. I'd never been there before. I went, I drove down. And funny thing, and I cannot remember the guy's name, um, and I have I don't think I've seen him since. But uh, I show up down there, and um, I'm getting my tent out. I'm just gonna you know uh, primitive camp with my tent and everything, but. I had worked all the day before, several days before. So when I left, I just threw the tent and finally left to get down there. And I go to take the tent out and set it up. I have no tent poles. Um, oh, man. My daughter had used the, the tent last and they didn't put the poles back up in the in the bag. So I get there and I have no poles. Well, um, the guy next to me was, had an RV and he's just watching them, laughing at me, probably trying to figure out what am I going to do. And so finally, I'm like, he sees me contemplating. I'm deciding, well, do I go home, which is just a couple hours away, but um, and get the poles, or do I just go to Walmart and buy another tin? Yeah, he could tell me see that the wheel spinning. So he said, you know, I noticed you have a problem there. He said, I got this camper, I got extra beds in it. You might as well just hang out with me, you know. So awesome. uh, that was pretty cool. And I wish I could remember the guy's name, but I don't think I've seen him at another event, but. So then fast forward a few months, I went to that year's uh, banquet um, and uh, <clears throat> already felt like it was a really a good organization. Um, went to that banquet, uh, walked by a table, heard um, my now good friend, John White talking about elk country, uh-huh. which is always like a, a dream hunt of mine. I always thought it might be like a once in a lifetime kind of a thing. Yep. And I, uh, Started talking to John at that table um, a little bit, walked away, decided I wanted to talk to him some more, went and talked to him for about probably two hours. Uh, by the end of that conversation, I was planning the elk hunt that season with him. Um, mm. And I've been every year since. Uh, and uh, there's just a lot of good people in the organization. And, it, you know, sometimes you get in with a group of guys that you just feel like you, or gals, both, we have both in a, 
yeah. you just kind of feel like you belong or it just feels good and feels right. And and I, that's how it was with the UVM. And so at that point, I started trying to get a little bit more involved and, and helped out a little bit. And just so happened there was uh, some board positions open. And yep. so uh, here we are. <laughs> was it William that told you about it first or? Uh, no, actually, I think I've seen it on Facebook and I reached out okay. to him. Um, yeah, I think I reached out to William. I think William's one who um, posted on the UBM Facebook page and, um, or maybe I seen it in our newsletter. I can't remember exactly now, but I reached out to William with some questions and, and, uh, yeah, I went from there. So, yeah. And, uh, Ryan, currently you're the secretary, right? Correct. Yeah, that's yes. correct. Yeah. We have our permanent, uh, I, uh, I think it's executive secretary, uh, is Brenda Hudson. And she's yeah. just, I guess she's just stuck there for life. So she's another one I would love to get on here. Uh, I tried to get her to, uh, so a little peer pressure right now. I tried to get her to do an interview during the festival, which she was crazy busy. She's behind yeah. everything that's going on, but um, it'd be awesome to see her get on too. But yeah, um, Brenda, you got to come on. Yeah. Gotta, but gotta yeah, Ryan, I mean, uh, just in, just in a few years, we've had so many awesome people serve on the board and start everything. I mean, obviously our history is, a, is what has been accomplished already, but um, just in the last couple of years, we've had a lot of the younger, I should say younger, but uh, I think I'm the youngest <laughs> and then uh, I won't give out the age of the rest of you guys, but uh, we, we uh, we've had some younger blood come in and some guys mm -hmm. that are really wanting to get after some things along with the, uh, the older crowd too. And yeah. um, it's kind of exciting. Um, when uh when I stepped out of the board to see that oh man this is like this is gonna only go forward and upward from here so it's pretty cool. Cool, yeah, it's been a lot of fun for sure. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of things that we can continue to to grow and and do. But um, you know, I thought like this year I thought we had a really nice turnout at the banquet. Um, yep. the last year's uh, rendezvous I thought was a little light. Um. But uh, so I'm hoping to see more folks this year at the rendezvous coming up in June. Um, yep. But uh, uh, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It is. It's it's a good time just to catch up a bit, a little bit more of a relaxed um, atmosphere and just shooting bows. I mean, what more could you want? So that's right. Well, Ryan, let me uh, let me ask you. Tell me about your most recent uh, hunt that kind of comes to memory as like, oh man, this is it. When I think about. Uh, my forays into the woods recently my most recent hunt or my most memorable hunt? either one i'll give you choice so i'll my most memorable hunt would probably be the my first year that i went elk hunting okay um never been in the elk was never been in the mountains really for that matter uh, so this would have been this this will be my fourth season this year so it would have been four seasons ago three seasons ago um and uh we um you know we kind of hunt elk we being john and the group that we go with similar to how we hunt white-tailed deer back here in the midwest you know we find some good travel corridors and inside and we just kind of set up we'll you know brush ourselves in or whatever so i think it was day three or four um I'd already seen had an encounter with a spike um uh, like on day two uh the first day i had a few mule deers come in 
no elk though. This, I think it was the second or third day I had the spike come in. I actually called in with a, one of those hoochie baby calls. Hoochie um, mama. Yeah. Or yeah. was it a baby? It's the hoochie baby that I had. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, cause I could see the elk, I could see him walking by kind of side hilling, side hilling next to me. And, um, <laughs> but I could only see his legs. So I didn't really know what it was. I didn't know if it was a cow or a, a, a bull or what. And in that particular unit, there's a antler point restriction. So when I couldn't see the legs anymore, I thought, well, I'm just going to go ahead and squeeze this call. So I did. And he immediately turned right around and walked right down probably I don't know, 10 feet from me, maybe he was close. Um, I was behind the tree and he was actually kind of tucked behind the tree, but I could tell he was definitely a spike. So he wasn't a shooter. So we had a, um, we had a, a standoff for probably five minutes before he decided he didn't like what he was seeing. And mm. he, he took off out of there. So that was, in itself was pretty cool, but I don't know. I think it was day five, four or five. Um, I'm sitting kind of at the base of this hill overlooking um this hillside there's water behind me some some streams and whatnot and there's some really thick timber on kind of the left side of the hill and then it opens up a little bit on the right side of the hill and there's a trail that runs right along that transition line coming down there where the elk travel through there and it's in the middle of the day it's like i don't know noon one o'clock something like that and it's mm. fairly warm out, probably in the 60s and i hear a couple of cows mew and so i initially think hmm, there's a couple elk or maybe it's a couple of hunters i'm not really sure yet and then i hear it again i'm like oh that's that's elk so i i set up in my spot uh, i'm sitting under some big um ponderosa pine trees and i got them all kind of brushed in in front of me and i get my bow and um uh, i'm getting ready and then all of a sudden it's like the floodgates of elk open up i've never oh, man i've probably never experienced anything like that there's just elk pouring down this hillside in front of me and it's so loud they're they're talking and there's it's like a stampede and you know elk have this odor to them anyway it's, yep it's almost like sensory overload and elk are just coming in i don't even know how many there was total but uh there's a bull kind of starting he's running across in front of me and he's got his head tilted back. So I can't really tell if he's a legal bull or not, but I have mm. my phone on and I'm following him along, hoping he'll stop and raise his head so I can tell. And he, he doesn't. I can't hold the bow that long because it's long bow, you know. So I just I let the bow down, not knowing that not only were the elk pouring in, in front of me, they were also had come in behind me as well. So mm. I'm literally surrounded by elk at this point. And um uh I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm at this point, I'm, I'm almost flustered. I've never been in that yeah. kind of a situation before. And the, the, the bad thing was, I guess, or, or whatever the, I had one cow elk stop. She was about 30 yards, which is probably further than I wanted to shoot. And I, and I did shoot her. Um, but I hit her high in the shoulder, um, mm. had some blood trail for a while, but I uh, wasn't able to find her. And I'm pretty sure it was, I'm, I'm sure she's still running around yeah. the mountains today. They're pretty tough animals. But that experience, I left that day and said, I will never not make an elk hunt as long as I'm physically and financially yeah. able to do it. It was just, I'm, that's, that was, that was the it moment for me. I've, I'm hooked on it now. Um, 
let's see, we're sitting here in March. Uh, we put in for the draw already for this upcoming season. So it's already starting. Um, but, uh, you know, I love to hunt really anything I can get out and hunt, um, whitetail or, or hogs or whatever the case may be. But um, I yeah. look forward to elk kind of every year because of that, because of that experience. Yeah. Hey, have you taken any hogs with your traditional bow or? Um, not with a traditional bow. I've, I've taken a few with uh, when I was a compound shooter. I haven't actually been hog hunting with a traditional bow. Um, that said, I'm my son and I are going this year. Um, I don't have anything booked yet. So I say this year, I'm assuming I can. There's plenty go. of opportunities out there. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So actually, that's something that we've been we've been talking about for a while. And uh he's starting to have his own family now. And so it's hard to get for him to get away. And, uh, but we're going to try to do a hog hunt this year, probably yeah. down in Texas or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've got a guy talking me into possibly doing two this spring. Oh yeah. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how that works out. Um, I have an invite from a couple. Um, I bought a, the tab that I use, I bought from a couple, um, down in Florida. They, uh, Oh Yeah. They, uh, uh, quivers and finger tabs and stuff, and um, they have a YouTube channel. That's how I came across them. They do a lot of hog hunting there. And um, when I bought that tab, I asked about hog hunting on public land down there, and they said, "Well, there's not a lot of good public access around here, but you're welcome to come and hunt hogs with us whenever you want." So one of these days, I may try to take them up on that. But, yeah. Yeah, th their name eludes me, but they seem like a really neat couple. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, um, Omnivore's uh, Homestead. And Homestead, yep. I think is what their YouTube channel is. And um, I've never talked to them, you know, voice to voice. It's always been via text message or something, but they've always been really, really nice. And Yeah, I think they are. Uh, I was going to, one more thing. We're, we're about to run out of time, but yeah. uh, the... Uh, I, I did notice when we were shooting at the rendezvous, just like everyone we've uh, interviewed so far, I you are a believer in heavy arrows, are you not? I am a believer in heavy arrows. Um, I have a fairly high FOC. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to ask me what my weight is. I couldn't tell you at the moment. <laughs> oh, okay. I, well, it, looked, I, it looked like you had a thousand grains up front when we were shooting, so I don't know. It's so. pretty heavy. I shoot at like a 300 grain tough head broadhead yeah um, i shoot pretty heavy arrows i did that specifically i wanted to make sure i had good penetration for my elk hunt prior to the prior to the first elk hunt i was yes probably a little bit more um in tune with the heavier arrows and the high foc but um i think it uh definitely helps definitely makes a difference uh, when you're shooting a slower bow like a long bow or recurve yep Yep, probably so. So, well, Ryan, is there anything else you'd like to share? No, you know, I, like you mentioned, I think we're running out of time, but um, I think this podcast is going to be great. I'm looking forward to co-hosting it with you and hearing a lot of stories <laughs> and, and getting folks um, interested in not only traditional or any kind of archery and bow hunting, but the UBM as well. Yeah. Um, a good organization and um, I'd like to see it grow into the future yeah and uh, I don't want to make you jealous or anything but you see what that is behind me yeah a little I, little cow cow elk hide going on there yeah. I mean I don't want to say anything but I don't know anyway <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll 
this is gonna i had a ethan knows william knows i had a pretty rough season this last season so the season coming up is going to be my uh my redemption season yeah oh yeah i believe in you man it's yeah it's gonna be great so yeah all right well william thank you and uh i'm gonna hit stop on this and we'll see if it took <laughs> all right man thanks a lot take care yep you too bye